This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 93, The Plane in the Forest As the transport made its way through the cloudy skies, the new lieutenant surveyed the features of the men seated around him in the cramped cabin of the aircraft. For all their training and experiences from previous missions, he could still detect occasional traces of apprehension, even fear. Considering the mission that they had been given that morning by the base commander, he wasn't altogether surprised. It had been just a few days since they had received word of a reconnaissance flight, passing the Puturana Plateau, having reported the sighting of a lone plane, sitting on the ground at the center of a wooded area. Upon their return, the flight's pilots had filed their report, which had been processed and added to an internal bulletin relating to a missing military aircraft. The lieutenant and his newly assembled team had been ordered to conduct a search of the area, which was situated not far from the slopes of Mount Common. The paratroopers were all too aware that the incredible distance between the reported crash site and their airbase represented the extreme operating range of the helicopter transporting them. This left essentially zero room for error within the mission parameters that they had been given. If anything went wrong, they could easily end up just as isolated as the craft they had been sent to investigate. If he was honest, their commanding officer was just as troubled by the same questions that plagued the minds of each and every member of the patrol. What was a military plane doing out in the middle of nowhere, far beyond the distance it should be able to fly, having made an apparently impossible landing in the middle of a heavily wooded forest? More importantly, what had become of the men who had manned it? In the study of mysterious occurrences, it is common to come across harrowing tales of vanished ships and aircraft in remote and enigmatic areas, like the Bermuda Triangle, in the Great Lakes. Tales like the disappearances of the Mary Celeste, Flight 19, Amelia Earhart, and the Orang Madan, a ship found floating in the middle of the Indian Ocean with all souls aboard exhibiting signs suggesting that they had been scared to death. But this is a unique case, a story popular among members of the former Soviet military who served in the Siberian region and have passed the tale down ever since. The incredible tale simply referred to as the plane in the forest. The story goes that during the summer of 1961, a paratroop officer based in Valak Airfield 
was unexpectedly summoned to see the base commander. He was given orders to select a team of his men, who would be flown out to a far-flung region of the Siberian landscape on a search-and-rescue mission. While en route to the location, as he had briefed his squad, the young officer had been confused by the possibility of any aircraft having ended up in such an isolated area, so far from established flight paths. Several hours later, he and his team landed in an open area adjacent to an area of dense woodland, their pilots informing them that this was as close to their destination as they could safely land. They hiked an additional hour through varying densities of sprawling pines and spruces before they would finally reach their target. There was no small degree of commotion as the lead paratrooper nearly collided with the metal fuselage, which seemed to have materialized out of thin air. As his men instinctively formed a perimeter around the small transport aircraft, the lieutenant was far from oblivious to the quizzical expressions that they couldn't keep from their faces. The plane was an Antonov A-2, a small prop-driven transport which was capable of carrying up to 12 passengers. Painted in military colors, the machine sat upright on the forest floor, perfectly intact, as though patiently waiting to commence the return journey back to its base. There were no signs of impact damage to its fixed landing gear or propeller. With the trees and ground around it perfectly undisturbed, seeming to negate the possibility of a crash landing. Motioning for one of his officers to join him, the lieutenant moved tentatively toward the plane, struggling to come to terms with what they had discovered. At both ends of the Antonov, there were dense bushes and thick tree trunks, obstacles that prevented even the thought of the plane having landed where it was now sitting, or of it being taxied into the forest. Ducking under the wings and trying the external door, the pair discovered that it was locked. With the help of two other men, it would take several minutes for them to successfully force their way into the aircraft. Cautiously entering the main cabin, they found there was no one aboard, and there were no signs that anything untoward had taken place. In the cockpit, the controls were set as if the plane was still in flight, as opposed to preparing to land and none of the plane's electrical systems were functional. Even more bizarrely, the safety harnesses for both pilots were still securely fastened, despite the fact that their seats were now empty, and there was a half-full cup of coffee perched in one corner of the cockpit. Lying at the base of most of the seats in the main cabin were weapons, packs, and webbing, identical to the ones that he and his fellow paratroopers were wearing. Conscious that the longer they remained there, the more his men would be affected by the mysterious and haunting nature of their discovery. The officer had ordered that all logbooks and papers be recovered. He then took several photographs of both the interior and exterior of the plane, before ordering his men to form up and commence the long walk back to their transport. Upon their return to Valak Airfield, he handed in his report, and was ordered not to discuss the mission with anyone else, and to ensure that his men were given the same orders. Despite the trained secrecy among the Soviet military, the story would inevitably find its way out into the wider Soviet forces, prompting difficult questions, 
that had no easy answers. It is rumored that during their return flight back to base, the paratroopers took the liberty of reading the papers they had recovered from the Antonov, prior to handing them in to their superiors. The copy of the flight manifest recovered from the cockpit revealed that the transport had set off from Varkuta Air Base several months prior for a short run into a neighboring airfield. Upon reading this, the soldiers had become increasingly unnerved. The base in question was used for the deployment of tactical bombers, situated just outside the city of Varkuta. And yet the missing transport plane had been found over 7,500 miles from both its takeoff point and its official destination. Not only was this well outside its maximum operating range, meaning it would not be able to survive any return journey due to lack of fuel, but it was also situated nowhere near any other Soviet military facilities. Simply put, the plane should not have been able to get as far as it had, and would have zero hope of being able to land anywhere safely. On top of all of this, the document made no reference to the flight having any passengers, raising awkward questions about the equipment and weaponry typical of a paratrooper detachment that had been found on board. The position in which the Antonov had been discovered also made no sense to the team, resting perfectly intact on the ground as if it had descended vertically from the sky above. There was no sign that there had been any disturbance or struggle aboard it, with safety belts engaged and equipment resting close at hand if it were required. It also seemed to the rescue team as if some mysterious force had somehow removed the crew and passenger from the aircraft in mid-flight before gently lowering it to the ground. In the decades that followed, Members of the team would make a number of discreet inquiries into the matter, usually when they encountered other soldiers who had served at the Varkuta airbase. These discussions only ever elicited two forms of reply, that the servicemen they were talking to had no knowledge of the matter, or they were politely informed that they were asking dangerous questions. As a result, for decades... Only whispers of what went on there in the forest were heard outside of Russia. In the years since, the story has made its way to small Russian communities outside of the military, and a number of theories have been put forward as to what might have gone on. It will come as no surprise to listeners of this show that the theory championed by the vast majority of people discussing this bizarre occurrence in a public forum is that the crew were abducted by aliens... Supporters of this theory speculate that the Antonov was taken under extraterrestrial control. The plane's crew and passengers were removed mid-flight, and the plane was deposited safely in a far-off location. Imagining the plane's occupants being disappeared in thin air from inside a locked and secure cabin would certainly explain the still-engaged harnesses and the state in which the plane's controls were found. But it is a mystery... So what happened to the Antonov A-2 found in the Siberian forests that day? Is this a clear case of extraterrestrial intervention? Is it some bizarre series of events that no one outside of that crew could imagine? Or is this another example of a simple urban legend 
exaggerated details and realigned events, elevating the odd to the truly bizarre. The truth is that, due to poor record-keeping of the Soviet military, both as a result of intentional obfuscation and pure and simple incompetence, we will most likely never know for sure. But that can't and will not stop coming generations from discussing the mystery of the plane in the forest. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We are your hosts. I am Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. All right. All right. We got ourselves a full-blown Soviet mystery this week. This is a doozy. Yeah. (laughs) I call government (laughs) cover-up. Oh, yeah? Clearly. Right off the bat? Yeah, right off the bat. Interesting. I mean, they're already telling them, like, don't speak about this to anyone, basically. Yeah. I mean that's 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 pretty much um, standard Soviet Union military. Oh, you know I mean, of I mean? course, especially it's a a downed plane that's you know very. I I don't know the just the whole thing like everything around it is weird. So yeah, it makes sense that they wouldn't want like you know obviously we're getting out until they can investigate and stuff like that, right? Yeah, sure. But also though they were just as a as a society they were just terrified of looking dumb on the international stage. Yeah, I mean that's anything, fair. That's know? fair. Yeah. But what if it was if it was the government the whole time or yeah. government and aliens? <laughs> Tag team. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly one of the leading theories on this is is that you know, it was part of uh, Soviet weapons development, or there was some kind of unknown technology on board the plane that caused the the vanishing of the crew, basically. Like, you know, huh, like it vaporized them, maybe. Or yeah, like in the in the like sixty-seven <laughs> in the sixty-seven Batman movie where they dehydrate <laughs> all the bad guys, you know, and they become like little piles of sand. Mm, there you go. But yeah. there was no sand. There was besides a pot of coffee, yeah, and I of mean, course their their gear and stuff could have been. <laughs> it was flying through the air. I mean, just the fact that this landed so, like, perfectly. And, yeah, exactly in this like area that it shouldn't have landed. Yep, that seems like it would be very difficult for it to be able to get to, regardless. I mean, they even yeah. they even mentioned like the on like the helicopter, like if they didn't land, if it, something what if they didn't land properly or whatever else, yeah. they could be stranded out there along you know just yeah. along with this thing, right? No, and the closest the helicopter could land was like an hour's hike away from the spot, yeah, which is you know? which is strange. So, yeah, helicopter should be far more maneuverable than right. an airplane, right? Yeah, and yet this the thing it, landed perfectly. Yeah, the way it's described is like trees are literally like has it like sandwiched in, huh. which is you know that screams like portal or something. Like, and the fact that all the engine controls, everything still on. Yep. Yeah, I mean this thing was never prepped for landing. I mean that's all the seat belts still buckled like left right. behind style. I but I was thinking like what if these guys on board of this plane they're like let's just mess with everybody. Yeah, right. And they like they got what they wanted out of this deal and then they completely left. 
Or if they're and like then, 20 yards over, right? Like them. snickering, <laughs> snickering in the bushes. Exactly. Maybe it's one of those deals like uh, those like 80s school pranks where where like the shop class would take apart the, the teacher's car and then put it back together inside their classroom. Yeah. You know? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Like how would this car ever fit through the door? It didn't. It went in a piece at a time. Yeah, but they don't know that. Right. Exactly. Instead, everybody else in the world's like, what happened? How did it get yeah. here? Like a ship in a bottle. And they're over there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Imagine going to all that trouble. <laughs> right. They'd have to land like an hour away <laughs> and take it apart and carry it an hour hike through the jungle piece by piece. Exactly. Yeah. It. That would be a Perfectly. huge pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, they were gone a couple months. True. And that's the other thing is like how pristine this is after being there for a couple of months. Yeah. I would expect like maybe some some overgrowth or something like just from the area that they're in, you know, some I don't know, man. It is weird. It's a weird one. And I like this. Yeah. I I mean, the whole um, government weapons program, the like Soviet secrecy type like weapons development stuff it i mean that that explanation is also used for dyatlov pass right yeah right that's mm-hmm. like a big theory over there i think that's just a theory for any mystery that happened during the soviet <laughs> union i mean like because yeah. they had such a track record for for hiding shit like this yeah like that was they they was, they were notorious for it like i that that just to me seems so so sketch yeah, and like it's I mean, the, yeah, they were the master of the cover story, without right? a like, doubt. Yep, you never actually could could go on what the government said happened. Um, I was also I also it brought to mind that uh, one of my favorite creepy pastas of all time, the Soviet sleep experiment. Yeah, yeah, which is obviously not real, but it's like indicative of the type of shit they were doing in the Soviet Union, like weird secret experiments. They were doing lots of shit like that. Oh, they did. Yeah, they did a ton of shit. Um, and even uh, the whole mind control stuff and yeah, yep. all that was going and on. People, people have recently started theorizing that like, well, they've actually found some pretty solid evidence that like, they that the Soviet Union sent way more cosmonauts into space than than they actually told yeah. the world about, and that they basically might have like dozens of unaccounted for cosmonauts, most likely just floating dead in in our <laughs> orbit, or they've already like established uh, right. They have a colony on yeah, Mars, exactly, or the moon, or something somewhere. Some obscure planet out there. There's just a bunch of them all hanging out, having a field day. Yeah, they don't even know the wall fell yet. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you can get out one way, one way or another, I mean, yeah, why not, right? Yeah, I mean, we touched on it a little bit, but another big theory is the idea that they encountered some kind of portal, right? Like yeah. whether the plane flew into some kind of like spatial disturbance that that transported it to this air this place you know like 
that explains it going being so far off course. Is it, how right? how was it? You what seventeen hundred miles or something like that? Seven seventy five hundred. Seventy five. Oh wow, yeah, even more. So, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That was that was I I I heard it, but I didn't get the number jotted down in time. So seventy five hundred yeah. miles off course from, yeah. which also was said that there was no way that they would have had enough fuel to make it that far. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, a little crazy unless like they were able to land somewhere, refuel and maybe they just went rogue for a while. Like, yeah. I mean, they but the thing is, they the military would have known if they landed somewhere and refueled, it would have been registered. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm sure that at least at that point there was there were ways to manipulate those. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, so. There's also a special thing about this type of plane, the Antonov A2, uh-huh. or AN2. Um, it, so it's like one of those planes that were made for, for decades because it was badass. It was like way ahead of everything else at that time. It's right. like, they're still, they're still making this plane today in Russia. Um, so the thing about it is it had no officially registered stall speed, which okay. bear with me here. Cause I spent like hours this afternoon in like aviation message boards reading about this stuff. But like basically what that means is it could glide for way longer than its operational range. Right. Like, so once it ran out of fuel, it, I mean, it could glide for like miles and miles, hundreds of miles with no with the engines not on hmm. just glide pretty awesome yeah which is insane so i mean it makes you wonder if maybe they literally just ran out of fuel maybe they got slightly off course and then ran out of fuel and started gliding and just were completely unlucky and like never ran into somewhere that they could land safely yeah or normally you know but what I like mean? were they able to check like the tops of these trees and everything make sure like that this plane hadn't grazed anything or i mean the in the story they they glance around and the it looks completely undisturbed right i mean it looks like it's it's described as like the forest grew up around the tree or around the plane mm-hmm. like it's it's that tight so. See that? To me, that makes it harder to think like, oh, maybe they like this is where it just ended or they ended up yeah. or landed or glided yeah. to or whatever. Right. And see, like I initially was thinking like Lost. Yeah. You remember the, the plane that they find in Lost um, <laughs> where it like traveled through time and then it like grew up around it. Yeah. Right. But like the plane looks perfect so if the plane looked old and fucked up right oh that's what i'm saying like no overgrowth or anything like yep no decades of wear and tear yeah that's because otherwise that yeah that that makes you know that that would be a cool story for sure um i can't say that makes perfect sense because well (laughs) you know yeah but yeah like and that's and that's why i was curious you know maybe like they went through this rift in time that allowed them to get to this area and maybe it did grow up around it whatever else but like the plane seems to be in like very pristine yeah 
Absolutely. So like the portal theory, either the plane flew into a portal mm-hmm. and was transported there, or um, they could have already been off course and then flown through a portal and it just took the people out of the plane. But the, but then like you would assume the plane crashes. Right, right, exactly. Like how would how would you prevent it from crashing? Yeah. That's that's the other thing. So maybe it went through this portal or rift or whatever else and caused it to get trapped in time. Right. And then just appears at this spot. Yeah. And then just phases into place. Right. And then the these guys are maybe taken off course to another, you know, some like I, I don't know, man. It's you know, I'm just spitballing. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. But somehow they're taken somewhere else, completely different. Maybe they're just fucking dumped on the tundra and they die of exposure. Maybe you know what I mean. Like maybe they end up in like some uh, you know, um, other dimension, New York City, like in a cafe or something, in the year 2035. Yeah. Right. Maybe they just, you know, get dumped on a beach in Guam. Maybe. You know what I mean? Like, you're, it could be any of Anything. A, an infinite amount of, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> yeah. That's what, that's, yeah, that's what's crazy about it. But I do, I do like that, that almost like time, time freeze idea. Yeah. And then, you know, cause yeah, if it, if it did eventually travel out of this portal or through, through it completely, if it's in this like, vacuum space of time or something and then just right in the spot yeah it could be right there maybe that's where this portal actually goes to um you know once it finally was able to make it through it who knows I don't know it's weird I mean everything about this is weird you said it right at the top like there isn't anything about it that actually makes expected (laughs) Yeah, yeah exactly just yeah, imagine being odd. like this this crew, these guys that are sent there to like check it out. You're just like every like, yeah, it'd just be so weird to just be going around and trying to figure out how this thing got there, seeing it firsthand. They get to walk inside, which like that to me I think would be super creepy. Yeah. Like you walk inside, everything looks as though it every every member on board should still be there. Yep doesn't look like anything was left like i wonder if like the coffee had any like mold or anything in it or if it looked or if maybe if it was still warm i doubt it was warm but still (laughs) you know like at that period for that long that coffee would definitely be moldy and gross yeah you would think so i mean it is pretty cold right this is in siberia so yeah yeah i guess that's that's true Hmm. i'm pretty sure it's cold there even in the summer months yeah Right. Well, I mean, in the the one the one lake uh, that you know that we were talking about. I mean, you know, people go there during the summer and swim yeah. and stuff like that. So that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's not like cold, cold all the time. Right. That's fair. But like, I mean, call. you're looking at glacial waters, regardless. Still. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So a portal is interesting. Another theory is that, and this is a little more mundane, is that this is essentially a military urban legend. Yeah. Right? I mean, like that, that makes it actually, a lot more lame. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it does, but it's also kind of cool, right? Like, they actually 
in this scenario, they would actually go out and find a plane, right? Right. And maybe even one that's been abandoned. But that doesn't mean that all the details that make it fantastic are accurate, right? Like yeah. the trees being the trees being too close for it to come in or out, that could be exaggerated. The doors being locked from the inside, mm-hmm. right? Like these are like little things that you could add over time. The seatbelt's still buckled. Yeah, of course. Um, and of course the coffee. I was going to say right? the coffee, because yep. In every disappearance, in every mysterious disappearance, they're like, and food was half eaten on the table and coffee was still hot in the coffee pot yeah and like you always hear that shit over i mean you have to add those like specific you know like those little little tidbits of specifics to like make it that much more appealing and be like oh wow okay going back to like going back all the way back to like the roanoke story yeah right like where they're like when they arrived at roanoke there were still embers in the fire pits like yeah I, okay. So I mean, that's I, I I would say that's probably the most plausible, right? You know, like, uh, right that this was just like a plane that flew off course, ran out of fuel, mm-hmm. made an emergency landing, and it got blown way out of proportion. Yep. And then of course, right? as as time goes on, the story changes and changes. You know, like Moore's attitude. Yep. It's like you said. So yeah, I mean, yep. at the end of the day, I'd say that's probably most likely yeah you know a good a good a good possibility but i do like the idea of these guys just being abducted by aliens now yeah, do these aliens just like like port this thing to that spot so i i do the zoop, the thing and i don't know um yeah just that's the that's the portal sound so that way you can or just you can hear <laughs> yeah yeah exactly a little bit of manual sound design going yeah on there here. you go um but also you, because we think about it like being ported in, right? What's that sound? And then, but but another option is that it just came down completely vertically, right? Yeah, like because this is a pine forest, right? So the trees are straight. Yeah, like it's I'm not right, like true. they would have mm-hmm. to. You'd have to break off a lot of branches to drop straight down in between these trees. But planes right? cannot hover; they cannot just. Right do a vertical landing but like it's funny you mention that because another super fancy thing about this plane another reason why it's so no way so no hold on all right like okay it landed and took off in extremely short distances right okay. and a talented pilot could i'm gonna pull this up I'm, I'm gonna I mean, read it to I you. guess you could like cut your engines, let it fall, hit them again, just to like provide enough almost cushion to soften the blow once it falls to the ground. But yeah. even that, like, I feel like there would be a little bit of movement once it hit the ground. Right. So, I'm um, with that in mind. I'm All gonna right. read yeah, you let's this. Hear it. This I'm gonna read you this comment from. Um, it's the secret projects forum and they like this is like an aviation sub board where people are talking about like the coolest planes basically yeah it's just like dozens of people who just want to sit and talk to other people who are obsessed with planes yeah i mean that's fair um he says and this is someone who goes by the name flyaway he says given the antonov 2's legendary stall performance 
It is most likely that the pilot ran out of fuel and set the controls for an IFR descent through clouds. I don't know what that means. I think it's like some sort of like safe safe emergency descent. Yeah, probably. Something like that. If winds approached 40 knots, an AN-2 could descend vertically into the trees, breaking very few branches. And then he goes on to theorize the crew probably wandered off with the most recent flight plan, maps, and logbooks. Chances are they were eaten by wolves or bears. But he says... Well, he turns that from graceful to, like, just gross. (laughs) So, um... But they talk about... Okay, so... This guy knows, this guy Archibald talks about how he knew a guy in flight school who, as like a party trick, basically, could essentially fly the um, the Antonov almost in reverse. If the wind is strong enough, if you cut the engines, it can essentially hover in midair like a helicopter. Like, not for too long, but... It's literally like a trick that you can do with these specific planes. So you're telling me these guys were like the some of the best pilots in the world. Right. I don't, I don't and know. I'm just saying it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. It, I, right? Yeah, no, I'll give you that. That's. I mean, once I started thinking about it and kind of put it like piecing it together, how it could possibly be done. Yeah, I, I guess. I, yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't think it's out of the realm, at least, of possibility. Right. Yeah. I mean, like this guy says, there was a UK based Storch, which is like their the UK's version uh-huh. of this plane. Um that used to do that as a party piece at air shows in the eighties. He still remembers watching it for the first time and just like being in awe. But like huh. it's like a, a pretty standard trick that these planes can do. And I guess if you were in a situation where you were gliding because you ran out of fuel and you realize you're getting close and there's nowhere good to land, then the best way to drop it into a pine forest would be straight down, right? So yeah. you might pull that trick just so that you can drop straight down uh, yeah, into the forest. Or some some UFO just beams you down. Yeah, exactly. Or that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I'd say that they're, they're both as possible. Yeah. I love... I. Honestly, I'm not even being sarcastic. I love that those two those two scenarios are equally likely to you. <laughs> like that you love aliens that much that it's like it's they're equally equally likely. Yeah. Why not? That's awesome. Why not? Yeah. I mean I, I love the idea that this is this was an alien yeah, encounter, of right? Like I love the idea of them getting fucking raptured right off the right off the plane <laughs> like seat belts still buckled just like that's that's the best way to put it just raptured right? yeah exactly i love it it's uh, well the rest of the been, world was you know apparently not so yeah these exactly. guys had a good day that's another possibility these were the only people who met god's criteria <laughs> and were raptured Maybe he maybe he takes them in pairs. At that time, maybe. it was them, you know. Yeah, he, she, it, they, possibly, who knows? How much creepier would it have been if inside those still buckled safety harnesses there were like flight suits? Just empty I was gonna say, suits, yeah, like, that would be yeah. Ev- yeah. That <laughs> yeah, like once creepier. you get there, there's no way to explain that. Yeah, 
but that's imagine the next level. if the crew did that. Like it's like, ah, yeah. let's even go this this much further. Yeah. Okay. From now on, everyone listening, whenever you tell this story, from now on, let's add to the legend <laughs> and just just add that in there. Awesome. Yeah. Make it even creepier. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that makes it that makes it better. I love it. Yeah. Agreed. But yeah, I, I kind of fell down the rabbit hole of how apparently cool this plane is. Like, it was capable of all kinds of, of crazy shit. It was like, one of the things that I guess made, um, was making the Western countries nervous about the idea of like the Cold War going hot was that like the Soviets had developed this plane and we didn't have a version of it ourselves what was, yet. What was the plane called? The AN-2, the Antonov-2. Okay. It's basically like a big prop plane. That's what it looks like. It yeah. Like, it holds like it holds like fifteen passengers or something. Okay. They used it for like paratrooper drops. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's it's an awesome plane. It is. It's cool. Sweet. Yeah, I was just curious. And like, if if that is what happened right like they run out of fuel they're gliding they do they pull this trick to drop straight down into the forest it isn't crazy to think that having crash landed way off course that they might just like at a certain point take off into the forest yeah and like try to try to walk out yeah i mean mean? that would i you there's no way you're getting out of there like that plane's not getting out of there yeah so i mean are you gonna sit there and wait like sit there and wait for somebody to come and rescue you probably yeah. not because nobody's probably gonna not. be there i mean it wasn't as soon as you run out of food you're fucked it wasn't until months later that this crew even came out to check it out right so yeah yeah i mean yep. my first instinct would be well we should probably try and get out of here yeah the sooner we start the sooner we get there <laughs> yeah so yeah and the guy on the forum was probably right if they did that they probably just got eaten or died of exposure yeah. like because the Siberian tundra doesn't fuck around or they made it back and started new lives yeah in Guam with whatever they had <laughs> they didn't have their flight suits because those were left in the under the seat belts well <laughs> <laughs> truth <laughs> yeah But aliens, we can talk aliens, right? Like, I like the idea that they just kind of, like, you know, raptured them off the plane. Mm -hmm. And and then they just kind of safely sat the plane wherever, right? Like, they could have, they could have initially encountered it in their normal flight path, right? And then the UFO just, like, Mm -hmm. takes it wherever it wants to. Yeah, they get the people off of it. They probably like have it like suction cup to the bottom of the craft for a little while. <laughs> just giving Fly it a time. Around. <laughs> <laughs> or they've got it just like in a beam, you know, it's like a tractor yeah. beam or something. Tractor they, beam. They're just like yeah. flashing all around doing these like cool tricks in the sky. You know, exactly. All the other aliens are watching through the, the little portholes getting excited. Because <laughs> I know how much you love windows on. Oh, man. <laughs> on spaceships, UFOs. I, re- I really do. Yeah. Especially like if they roll down is... with like a hand crank. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. 
Roll up that window. I'm trying to write on my paper. <laughs> yeah. I gotta leave behind these signs for people. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. <laughs> That's probably also how they sound. I like to imagine that, like, these are the same UFOs that Betty and Barney Hill encountered, and they're all, like, little green men, but they're in they're in Nazi regalia. <laughs> you know, like, Barney saw them. Yeah. Yeah. They just, like, walking around. Why not? Uh, I mean, you know, I like it. Walking around their um, Apple store of a ship, looking like characters from, oh, what's that game? What's that game that everyone was super into a few months ago that they played on? It was on Twitch. It was all over Twitch, where you just like run obstacle courses. You're like this little blobby guy. Blobby guy. Yeah. I don't know if I ever played it. Really? Uh, blobby guy obstacle course. I bet I can Google it. Yeah, it's like blobby two words. Blobby guy obstacle course. I'll add in game Damn. just so they know. Fall Guys? Yep, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I know what you're yeah. t- I've never actually played it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, wow. Yeah. That's, that's hilarious that I literally searched Blobby Guy Obstacle Course Game. Yeah. I mean, I per- I described it perfectly. That's exactly what the game is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how I imagine them, like, like walking around their spaceship with like Nazi suits on <laughs> their blobby little fat bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I would love to see it. Cause that fall guys is a game like in Fortnite where like you just, they want you to spend a bunch of money on like skins and outfits and shit like that. Hmm. Right. So like you dress up your blob in like weird little costumes yeah. and stuff. Yeah. That's why I thought of it. I mean, cosmetics, man, cosmetics are, they'll make or break a game. People oh, I love know. being that's, able to dress their little guys up. That's literally like ruining video games. I mean, that yeah. movement. Yeah. It, like, you don't, because people stop playing the game because it's fun. They start playing it because they want to buy the next thing. Yep. So it's literally, they've turned video games into shopping addictions. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's that's a problem. Fair. That's fair, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, it sucks. I see it in my kids all the time. <laughs> I'm like, do you even enjoy playing this? Or are you just trying to get the next thing? Hey, man, I've spent a lot of money on in-game cosmetics and other games. Yeah, I bet. I just, you know, like, you want to have something cool to look at as you're playing through the game. Sure. I get a little bit, but when it becomes, like, the entire driving force of right. the game. Yeah, yeah, for you know, sure. That's, mm-hmm. like, games like Fortnite and, like, Fall Guys. Yeah. And- all those gotcha games, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same way. Like, yep. where you're just playing to get the next chance at a gamble. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. Lame. Yeah. But, you know, you'll have that. That being said, Fall Guys is fun as hell. Is it? Yeah. Like, it's one of those games you don't have to think about at all. It's just, like, silly fun that you can just play over and over again. The replayability is super high. Yeah. Like yeah. I mean yeah, I I had I had a lot of a lot of my guild mates that were playing it for a while. Yeah. It's fun. It's, it's fun. definitely fun. It's a good party game. Yeah. I mean that's fair. Yeah. I like a lot of There's the Jackbox it, games for party games and stuff though. Yeah. There's a reason it blew up on Twitch because it's it, it's like silly. It's not like real enough for anyone to actually like 
get upset about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like you fall off the thing and you're like, damn it. And then you're laughing and you're because the physics in it are funny also. Mm-hmm. So like you bounce off of shit and it looks silly. And yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Now this is turning into an advertisement for Fall Guys. Yeah, it is. You're welcome. <laughs> Unfortunately, Campfire Tales of the Strange Unsettling is not yet sponsored by Fall Guys. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. I'm working on it. Yeah, there you go. I mean, we, just, we just gave them some free advertisement. What's the company that makes it? The company that makes Fall Guys? Yeah, find out. Um... Uh, media Mediatonic. Okay, Mediatonic. Hit and us it's, up. it's published by Epic Games and Devolver. Oh, yeah, yeah. Epic Games, hit us up. We'll advertise the shit out of your shit. Just let <laughs> the us know. Shit out of your shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, dude, I'm into it. Yeah. Shit, if we could be affiliated with any any games, I mean, I'm into it. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And we already okay. have. And the notes, the uh, the Bigfoot game, and then the the Mothman, oh, yeah. one. the Mothman, just yeah. because we like it, you know? Yeah, because we fucking love those games. They're like cool little indie games, dude. They're like, yeah, which yeah. are some of the the absolute best. Like, yeah, I mean, I played that Mothman seventy six game through with every character once, and then two of the characters twice. Like, nice. It's super fun. It's a great little story game. Like, cool choices you can... It's sort of like a playing through a choose-your-own-adventure. Yeah. You know? But with, like, Mothman invading your town. I uh, I finally decided, which I, just, I tried to hold off for a few days after it came out, the Resident Evil 4 remake, but I ended up buying yeah. it, and I'm finally... I'm on Chapter 13 right now. Damn. I'm going to finish it up tomorrow, but I've only been playing it, like, off and on for a couple days. So, but it's, I wasn't a big fan of four when it originally came out. Everybody liked to suck its dick, but for, for me, like one through three were obviously the gems two being my absolute favorite nemesis. Nemesis is a hard close second. Nemesis was fun as hell. It was the original one. That was my favorite one. The remake, uh, the remake of three wasn't so great, but the remake of two was phenomenal, but I never uh, played the remake. But I, I remember loving... I remember because I had, like, the demo for yeah. Nemesis for a long time before I had the real game. And I played, like... I think it was, like, the first two chapters. Yeah. And I, I played that probably 200 times. I still have I, my copies of 2 and Nemesis. And I don't even, I don't even own an original PlayStation at this point. <laughs> yeah. That's how I am with... I have all the Final Fantasy games. Yeah. And most of them are on platforms I don't own anymore. Well, I just to have say, them because... I'm a fanboy. The remake of, of 4 is really, really good. Because, I mean, they switched yeah. up some of the gameplay and made it way better. So, yeah. Also, our also our friend, um, Benny Ben Playing. Yep. If you like watching people play, he streams on YouTube and stuff. Go check him out. I'll, I'll, stick, him, I'll, I'll stick him in the, Throw him in the show, show notes, notes this yeah. time, too. Yeah. Um, if you're into, like, he's playing Resident Evil 4 right now on his channel. So, like, the remake yeah obviously obviously but yeah yeah so if you want to check that if you're interested in that game go watch him play it yeah it's good though i'm pleasantly yeah. surprised so good good but so anyhow aliens and a plane <laughs> right yeah <laughs> i think that's why we were here yeah yeah i have some um i have some some additional cases okay 
Let's Fear. talk about if you want to. Um, so obviously there are dozens of mysteriously abandoned ghost ships and like vanished planes, yeah. right? Like you, those Amelia stories Earhart are like a dime a dozen, yeah. right? Yeah, especially the ghost ships, though. Like just finding mm. empty ships—that's super common. But airplanes aren't as commonly found in that. Like usually when an airplane disappears, the plane and the person is gone. Right. Right. Um, but. In 1917, they found a plane called the Zabrina. Zabrina. It was a three-masted schooner. Okay. Um, it was found adrift off the coast of France, and the hull was completely full of coal. That's what it was hauling, hmm. right? And um, But no one's aboard. The galley table was laid out for breakfast, logbook and papers on the captain's desk. Food still hot? Uh, yeah, exactly. But no one, no one on the ship. Huh. It was just, or on the plane, it was just found kind of floating there. Um, That's nuts. Yeah, it's weird. The um, MV Joyita in 1955, it was a merchant vessel found in the South Pacific. 25 man crew was missing. And this ship had a, because it also isn't weird for a plane to go down in the water and people to abandon ship. Right, right yeah. Like, yeah. And then they end up drowning or getting eaten by sharks or whatever the fuck. But, like, what was weird about this one, the Joyita, is it had this special cork-reinforced hull to make it float, to make it unsinkable. Right? Okay. So, like, so in between the two layers of sheet metal was just cork so that it would float in the water if they went down in the water. They should have used that for the um, Titanic. It was a leftover of World War II era. Mm-hmm. It was like one used in the South Pacific a lot. So it was flying these like long flights over the open ocean. So they developed this like cork in the hull to well, that's cool. reduce casualties if they went down. But it was completely abandoned by twenty like twenty five people abandoned the ship even though it would they could have just floated there. Right. Right. So now, moving on to something stranger. All right. What's referred to as the Paradise Plane. In 2008, all of the sudden, a Boeing 737 just sort of appeared in the middle of the jungle, at the edge of the jungle in Bali. Um, like, it just kind of showed up one day. Just on no, the- one knows how it, no one knows how it got there. Okay. And it's like near a village. Like, it's on the edge of the jungle, right next to a village, and just all of a sudden they wake up and there's a 737 <laughs> sitting there. Super weird. That would be strange no one to wake up to. It, yeah, no one reported it missing. It was immediately, when it appeared, it was too worn to tell any of its identifying numbers. Yeah. Like, you can't tell where the damn plane came from, where it was manufactured, anything. It's just It just appeared there. They were apparently back in like 2014, 2015, they were, there were rumors that they were going to turn it into like a hipster restaurant thing for like travelers, you know, cause Bali yeah. is like the ultimate hipster vacation spot. <laughs> um, okay. but that, that never happened. Yeah. Um, so that one freaked me out. Honestly, the fact that it just I like, mean, that's I mean, just there are literally weird. houses yeah. within like 40 yards of there. There are like huts. 
in houses. Somebody no would have had to have heard that or something. Yeah. Even like. Yeah. Huh. You would think, right? Somebody's not. Somebody's withholding some information, I think. An entire village? An entire village, information? Yeah. Maybe. So they're, they they're in cahoots, to. clearly. Or fucking portal. Or a portal. Maybe the portal's like in it, cahoots. <laughs> I just like the word cahoots. To, to work. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I could tell. So, this last one, it's a little less mysterious, but uh, I think it's just cool as fuck. Okay. So, um, the Luftwaffe F, FW190. In 1989, a hiker discovers this German warplane. It's a Focke-Wulf 190. Okay. Um, it's hiding. Basically, it's like hidden between the tall trees in a slight clearing just outside St. Petersburg, Russia. Right. So this is still Soviet era. This is like right around the fall of the Soviet Union. Right. They... Um, they run the identifiers on the plane, which makes the last story even stranger. That this was like a modern day Boeing 737 and you couldn't tell any of its identifying features, but we're finding in 89 we were finding 50 year old planes that you could still tell where it came from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, huh. Yeah. It's weird. It's obviously so, from the future. Yeah, obviously. So, he finds this plane, they run the the identifiers on it and the they find out that the pilot's name that flew this plane was Paul Ratz and they had like a whole story right he supposedly he crashed his plane behind enemy lines in 1943 right during the war he was supposed to be carrying a bomb to Leningrad St. Petersburg right Um, this was during one of the biggest like raid campaigns during World War II um he was his plane was shot down by artillery and he was captured. He was a POW from 43 to 49. Yeah. And yeah. And then he gets out and he lives 40 more years, right? Like after the war. He lives a nice long life after the war, but he died on the same day that his plane was discovered. Like he must have had a deal with the devil. Maybe. If your plane ever gets found, that's your that's your time, buddy. Yeah. That's your cutoff. Yep. It's, it's just a super weird coincidence. Like he never knew that they found the plane. Yeah. This was like observed after, right? Yeah, like, that's really weird. Yeah, that he he died the same day that that the hiker discovers his plane. When they recovered, the, they recover the plane. They take it to the UK. They restore it, right? And they found out while restoring it that the fuel lines were intentionally blocked. Like they had, they had like these big, wide open fuel lines that had basically rags stuffed in them. And hmm. this, the theory is that because they used Allied POWs yeah. to like to work in their factories during the war that the plane was sabotaged by mm. allied POWs which i think is badass that's like yeah. super cool that there is this like band of like <laughs> of soldiers from the UK and America and like Canada and they're in there 
they're captured, but they're still like fighting the good fight. Yeah, you know, from from behind enemy lines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just love that fucking story. Yeah, that's neat. Less mysterious, but it has an awesome history. <laughs> right. Yeah, I dig it. I dig it for sure. I also like the point of reference that like it's weird for the one in Bali to not be identifiable. Mm-hmm. Like planes have tons of identifying yeah. marks all over them. So I, I didn't really, I didn't really think about that until we're talking about the next story. But yeah, that that is, it just makes it that much more odd for sure. Yeah. They have like call numbers all over them. They have serial numbers on basically yeah, every part. Like it, it shouldn't be hard. Right. But there's, They've found no way to identify this giant ass plane just sitting in Bali. Huh. Yeah. I just So that's all that's all the additional stories I had. Imagine if you walked like out in your backyard and there's this big ass plane just sitting there chilling. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Would, would you like would you be like Not today. Not today. Yeah. <laughs> this week I would be. <laughs> I'd be like, nope. <laughs> just, okay, I'll get to that eventually. Yeah. Exactly. Maybe if you ignore it, it'll just go away. Oh man. I'll Actually, at this point, I might, I might move into it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. There are also a few people who have done that. Like, they'll buy a chunk of land and they buy these like used 747s and stuff, and they pull they have it like hauled out to this to their land and they just turn it into like basically i mean like a 737 is like a thousand square feet which is like a solid apartment if you're like a single guy i mean just think of all the people that do like these um you know they do these like their tiny homes the vans and stuff like that they'll get them and turn them into yeah just a small like mobile mobile home basically um into tiny homes and stuff like yeah you could definitely do that with a plane yeah, I mean, especially that, if it's like one of the bigger ones that has like two stories too. Yeah, that would yeah. be that'd be awesome. Even the standard airliners are like a thousand square feet. That's like I've lived places smaller than that. Yeah, but they're so tight. Like if you from one side to the other, they're really yeah. tight. For sure, it'd be like living in a shotgun apartment. I mean, yeah, right, like yeah. where everything's lined up. But it already has bathrooms. It like you know what I mean. <laughs> Those bathrooms on, on planes suck, though. Yeah, yeah, that's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah they're pretty rough. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it could be done. It could definitely be done, like for sure. Especially yeah. if you cut like half of it and then just build that and ex- expand it out with maybe a couple like uh, you know, like shipping crates or shipping container or containers. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen some I- awesome. Like tiny homes and like just houses houses built out of ship or containers, and they're stellar. Those like those like buried prepper houses built out of built out of shipping containers. You can do some badass stuff. I mean, structurally they're sound, right? So you can just like stack them up, build Mm -hmm. a Lego house out of shipping containers. They look so cool, though. Yeah, very like very like rugged modern. Yeah design mm-hmm. yeah i like it i'd build one if i could well, but they're expensive and they're hard to get delivered yeah that's true that is definitely true especially these days right well final conclusions what did you what did you land on <sighs> you know as much as i hate to say it 
Um, probably urban legend. Yeah, yeah. I'm right there with you. I love the idea that it's an alien or portal or something. Oh yeah, with that crazy shit, something but... something crazy just makes it so much cooler. But urban legend getting passed down. Now we've added to it. Now that their suits are still in place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I like it. A couple of years yeah, from now, that... we're gonna retouch on this story, and that's actually gonna be added to like the you know the update <laughs> yes. or an updated story. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I love it. Yeah, I dig um, it. I dig it for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think definitely, definitely, this was just exaggerated a tiny bit at a time. Like every time, like a an ex-Soviet soldier was telling the story in a bar, he just added a little more fantastic detail yeah. to it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think that's probably what happened. Probably. But I do, I do like the alien, you know, the alien idea or, or it's like portal, you know, into another dimension or like a time freeze or something weird. Yeah. Weird, like, um, reality slips. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Those are always Um, the coolest. Yeah. You can't argue with that. All right. I think that concludes episode 93, the plane in the forest. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Campfire T-O-T-S-A-U on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown.